Hey folks, this podcast was originally released a few weeks ago, soon after Amnesia Fortnite finished, but we decided to hold off on releasing it until we knew we could make the whole bundle available again. And now we have. Just go to doublefine.com slash Fortnite and you'll be able to get the whole bundle uh, with the two-player documentary and the original soundtrack from the games, all packaged in a special edition box with unique slipcovers for each game. Uh, you can also get it as a standard DRM-free download, which also comes with a box version. Uh, so thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Double Fine Action Cast. I'm Chris Remo, and today we're going to talk to all five Amnesia Fortnite project leads. So if you somehow weren't aware of this, considering it was the only thing our company was talking about for two weeks straight, Amnesia Fortnite was is our annual internal prototyping event where people from the company pitch games, and then we spend two weeks splitting up into teams and actually turning those games into prototypes. And this year we actually did that publicly, which was really crazy. People were able to buy our prototype bundle on the Humble Bundle site and vote on which ones they wanted to get made. Five of them got made, and all five of those project leads are here. So um, why don't you guys introduce yourself, uh, starting with Lee and what your project was. Hi, I'm Lee Petty, and I was the project lead of Autonomous. Hi, I'm Andy Wood, and I was project lead on the White Birch. I'm JP... L- I'm JP... L- <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm going to mess up my own name here, guys. That's um, fine. Yeah. I'm JP Leberton, and I was the lead on Space Base. I'm Brandon Dillon, and I was the lead on Hack and Slash. I'm Levi Riken, and I was lead on Black Lake. Cool. And all those games got made, and they were all really fun. Uh, I worked on Space Base, so that was the best one. But they were all <laughs> fine. They were all fine, I guess. I like everything about the space and the base part. Of oh, that. man. Yeah. Well, we have to sh- Lee and I have to share a microphone now. Express. This is going to be an uncomfortable half hour. <laughs> <laughs> long this goes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what did you guys think about this being public? I mean, actually, Lee, I want to get your opinion on this first because you're the only one here who actually led an Amnesia Fortnite project before, and you've led a Double Fine project before. You were the project lead of Stacking. You're the art director of Brutal Legend. Uh, what was it like actually doing this in front of everybody, exposing yourself for the world? Exposing myself. Well, uh, I think because I have been working on Reds, the Double Fine Kickstarter game, mm-hmm. uh, I was sort of used to some of the cameras. But it was a little more intense than that. I mean, I think with with Reds, you know, they're there at our stand-ups and some of our meetings, and they interview us. But uh, I think you have the added intensity of, of it's a brand-new team, you know, uh, a new idea. You're trying to get as much done as you can, and the cameras are there. And I think they were there, they were more prevalent. You know, they were in your face a lot more. <laughs> so I think it was exciting, but, uh, yeah, I know. It was, it was more intense. I noticed it a lot more than I did, I do. On, on Reds. Yeah. Um, well, it was, I mean, it, the, the eight hours a day live stream was, that was a bizarre thing. That was. That was a bizarre thing. There was a lot of Greg, too. A lot of Greg around the office. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because the man is a titan, you could see him coming half the office. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's literally a lot of Greg hide. and figuratively <laughs> a lot of Greg. <laughs> That's yes. true. There's just generally speaking already a lot of Greg in terms of volume. Yeah, but, true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the other side of the coin, I guess, um, uh, Brandon and JP, you guys were the project leads who have been at Double Fine the least amount of time, or I guess well, Andy too. Yeah, actually. me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All three I think we all started right around the same time. Yeah, yeah. what was that like yeah. for you guys? 
Um, I thought it was uh, it was really interesting because I was here. I think we were all here last year for yeah. the previous Amnesia yeah. Fortnite that we did, um, yeah. and so that one was done in private, and that felt a lot different. And it's funny, like I wasn't actually worried about the cameras so much as I was worried generally about being so open about our process. Like the fact that um, you know we it, it wasn't just like five games that got pitched, right? It was on, on close to thirty. Um, that like you know exposing that open to the the wolves on the internet was uh, yeah. was kind of terrifying. And they're called net wolves, I believe. Net wolves, cyber wolves, cyber wolves, cyber wolves. It's an intense crowd, uh, and so I was just worried about like you know it's like especially that early on like those ideas are really rough and 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 raw and like it's hard to it's hard to visualize what they can be. And I guess I was worried that people on the internet would be mean to us, um, <laughs> but it was actually like you know were they. Uh, I think the audience that Now's we have... a chance to get back at them. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, let me call out a few specific people in the forums. Cyberwolf. Cyberwolf. Cyberwolf 420. It was unacceptable what you said about my game. Uh, no, the uh, it, it was it was actually, like, I think the audience that Double Fine has is, like, a very supportive audience that's mm-hmm. very interested in the kinds of games that we make. And, like, there's a lot of fear that the, the open public is not sort of, like, mature enough to, to handle, um, uh, you know, seeing games early in development that will kind of spoil it for them and so you have to keep everything secretive and I sort of believed that a little bit and this kind of shattered that belief for me um, it's, I wouldn't, I, I don't know how the rest of you guys feel but I would love to do Amnesia Fortnite's in public in the future as well I think it's so cool to open it up and, and kind of humanize that phase of development Levi, you hadn't led a project before, but you'd had this idea kind of germinating yeah. for a really long time. What was it finally like to have to actually step up with it and make a thing concretely? <laughs> because you, you would it was like we finally stopped talking about the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is, yeah, it's definitely difficult because you have ideas about games and it's kind of like, you know, in this early stage of prototyping, you know, two weeks, every single day you're solidifying the game into what it's going to be you know so i like had a like a year and a half of of thinking about this and just thinking about what kind of game i would want to make and i that's what a lot of like my concept art originally originally like came from and um it saved me in a lot of ways having that much time to think about it beforehand um and uh but you know it's just like a day-to-day thing when when you're doing your, your your two weeks it's just like decisions solidifying that you have to solidify at that rate to actually get through it yeah this was my fourth amnesia fortnite i think i have one more than lee under my belt yeah that's true that so, you, so yeah you've been here for all of them right start starting with the 2007 yeah. one right yeah. yeah wow which i'm super proud of we haven't announced that one that i worked on but it was super fun working on but it was weird it's brilliant beyond words but we can't talk about it, <laughs> it changed the entire industry yeah it's the ark of the covenant of game development yeah. you know <laughs> Can't look directly at a it. metaphor that was We're actually used in the trailer for this amnesia. Oh, oh yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, well, that oh, prototype. Real, at least. I know. I, I know. I couldn't have come up with that on my own. No.
on JP's team making Space Base, looking at what you guys were creating as these full 3D worlds was kind of mind-boggling to me. I didn't did it did it was it surprising to you guys as the people actually making them or or did you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to be able to accomplish in two weeks? Well, I think because we've done it before, it wasn't that surprising to us. But yeah. it's funny you brought that up because all of the comments I've had from friends who work in other games companies have been along those lines. Like, yeah. how did you do this in two weeks? Which, going back to Brandon's point earlier about throwing this open to the public, a lot of the comments on the forums from the public have been a little bit the other way. Like, they probably expected more than we did, or a, a level of polish mm-hmm. above what we did in two weeks. Whereas everybody I know who's a, a developer yeah. um, knew how hard it was to get anything up and running to any kind of level of completion in two weeks and they expressed surprise over that so it's probably when was the last product that was two weeks worth of anybody's time put out there exactly that is involved in the video game yeah nobody sees it you know it's the you know people know that a game has been in the works for a long time but just the capacity of a one month product versus a five month product is not something that we've seen the inside look at yeah that's one that's one really great thing about af is is that it's it's educating our custom, our you know, game play, players of games more about game development, so that they don't freak out when you show them like a, a gray box level or just something that's in progress. You kind of assume people are going to see the unfinished product sections standing out, and you're going to not really assume anybody is going to have an imagination about filling in the gaps about what the game could potentially become. You know, it's harder to do that. Like, yeah, so yeah. to really yeah. be imaginative about. The things that do work about this, but there's a whole layer that when it becomes a full game, um, what can it really has the potential to become? That's a harder thing to do. Yeah. And I was blown away by like the forum threads. People gave me ideas I didn't even think of, and you know, like I, I have like 14 people on my team or had, and I got a lot of stuff out of them. But I also just reading the excitement that other people had, you know, about creature lore and all of the stuff on the Black Lake thread was people had ideas, you know, and that was one of the number one awesome things. In the case of Space Base, we kind of asked people to imagine, like, oh, we're making this thing, but you know, imagine a version of it where we spent months and months and months tuning <laughs> dozens of intricate gameplay systems that all work together in interesting, complex ways and, in, and fill out this world and, like, paint, you know, all these systems working together create surprising stories. And I feel like if you look at the, the space-based forums, like, I, JP, I don't know how much you've dived into those I'm, threads. I'm starting to. Yeah, after, yeah, yeah. I mean, people week. have been, I think, really charitable about it. You know, they've said, yeah, absolutely. like, oh, yeah. this is cool. I've played yeah. this for a couple hours and... You know, my people kind of get confused and they don't know what they're doing. But, man, how cool would it be if, like, this yeah. and this and this and this? And, like, yeah, that's the yeah. exact kind of response you want, right? Because you want – the purpose of these is to kind of prove out the seed of an idea and, and yeah. hope that that someday it will result in something more con- you know, more fleshed out yeah. in, in the concrete. I, I, I do also feel kind of bad about it because I think we were – I feel like compared to all the other projects, we were asking, like, people – you had to do more pretending <laughs> – Sure. Uh, in order to in order in yeah. order to see it, and yeah. and I feel like that's part of the reason that people might have voted for the for a lot of people might have voted for the idea originally was because of that potential. Um, and I really don't like doing that. Like I don't, you know, initially like people on 
Yeah, just dream selling people. They'll never have just crushing. Just yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I, you yeah. like that part. I, I, keep it, I can't, part I can't even pretend to be that kind of villain um, because yeah, like you don't usually, have to. usually, like I don't know. I'm, I'm more a student of the of the you know of the scope reasonably and be rigorous and all that kind of you know that that sort of philosophy that you know. Mm-hmm. That uh, the Lee Petty. Uh, well, yeah, the thing <laughs> the thing that Lee is a master of, but I th- but I feel like everybody here is is pretty good at. Um, yeah, the project so, alternate really well. Yeah, yeah, and so having to jump in and just sort of like do things really sloppily and know that we were going to f- like yeah. fulfill a tiny percent of the potential of the idea compared to again all the other projects which I think fulfilled a a, a noticeably greater percentage of the potential uh, of their ideas. Um, that's I don't just know. your opinion. What's that? That's just your opinion. True. Well, <laughs> that's my response. To I mean, I think everybody opinion. probably <laughs> feels that they fell short a little bit. You know? Yeah. But I think the the point about people being really charitable is a good one. And I was actually, it made me realize just how used to being exactly the opposite I've become from doing this for a living for a while. Because all I ever see is the holes. And I just yeah. got used to that because mm-hmm. that's my job is to find the holes Mm-hmm. And so to see other people looking at what we were doing and filling in all those holes with imaginative things was really cool. That's a really good point. I mean, especially a studio like Double Fine that I think, you know, in a lot of ways prides itself on having a certain level of visual fidelity and artistry. And, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that tends to be reflected in our games, uh, putting out stuff that is explicitly unfinished and not only just unfinished, but almost barely begun in a lot of respects is something that is very counter to what this studio typically uh, puts out there into the world. Yeah, it's kind of a test of confidence in a lot of ways. Um, and I think actually the fact that everybody put their work out there and in many cases allowed themselves to be seen creating it, you know, when it was really rough, like, right. you know, only five seconds, you know, only five minutes out on the page or on the screen. Um, that was uh, that was definitely the most stressful part about AF for me is that Greg asked me to uh, live stream me coding for a little bit, and like, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> my my uh, typing rate went down dramatically, and the number of mistakes I, mean, I was like, I just yeah. crippled at the keyboard. Yeah. Like, people are watching me do <laughs> yes, this. I avoided that. <laughs> yeah, I, somehow I was so busy somewhere else, and it all fell on Emily Johnstone. She got the. I had this perfect plan for that. I never drew, uh, probably because I wasn't sitting at my desk very long at any one point, but I thought Greg was going to ask me, and I had this image of Greg already, and after I was going to start drawing a concept, I was going to bring up an image of Greg and draw him as, draw, I was going to make him into a woman on the live stream, <laughs> nice. basically, so to speak. I had it all ready to go, it just never happened. He, never he must have known that that was He, must, he sensed that. there was something giving me that podium. Wait a minute. <laughs> really good idea. I'm pointing, Wait a second, this is Lee Petty. I'm pointing the camera at Lee Petty, yeah. Something, he's going to, yeah, something's going to, yeah. Someday I'll get him. Someday Greg Rice will be mine. Brandon, I feel like I didn't know anything about your game until like the last day. Everyone else's game, I'm like, oh, I see the things going up. And your game, I felt like, was this weird skunkworks, you know, crazy thing that was happening. Well, it was kind of a funny project because um, a lot of the like mechanical stuff that you needed for the game um, was like fairly involved technical problems to solve. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, Paul and I were spending a lot of time just like putting together these hacking tools that, that kind of like did this important low level thing that you needed to actually fit the puzzle design together. And so, the game as a whole didn't really come together until all of those pieces were in place and I could hook them all up through the scripting. Um, so describe what that mechanism is in case people listening aren't 
familiar with it. All of the items in the game that you got were based on uh, like famous hacking concepts, uh, and so like the first item that you get is this old tool that you use in emulators where you can like save out the entire memory state of the application and then reload it. And you can use it as kind of like a checkpointing system, so you can get through a tricky part of a puzzle, save your position, get through the next tricky part instead of having to like do the whole sequence over and over again. Uh, and like it's a common feature in emulators, but like Paul had to actually engineer that into our entire um, like engine so that we could like capture the entire simulation state. And it's a lot more complicated than it is on Nintendo when you're just like trying to capture the entire state of a 6502 chip from 1985. Like um, the and so, or I guess even earlier than that. But um, uh, so it's like that actually was like a week and a half of development on his part. Uh, oh wow! To get that functional. I saw him at his desk, and I was like, "What are you working on?" And he was like, "I've been working on one thing." for hack and slash this whole time and I really hope it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was fixing bugs in, uh, up to the up to the last minute. Um, wow. And so like uh, similarly I had a time slow device in there that's like you could push a button and it would slow down time and that's one of those things that normally you would code in a way where it's just like you know there's the game has some global concept of like its speed or something and then the game can manipulate it but the way that it actually works in hack and slash is that when you hit the button to use that item it actually like Overwrites its own process memory to like look at the DLL import table and hook the Windows timing function that returns what? time to the application, uh, and, and yeah, then I knew like it. scales. It I back knew up. it. That's what I said, right? What? I knew it was going. <laughs> I thought it was slightly I knew he would different, do that. but <laughs> clearly, what's going on? I here? overthought yeah. that one. I, my my idea for it was it was way more complex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I like your style. And then, uh, yeah, and then it's a uh, you get this hack of this connector cable too that you can plug into creatures, and and that's one of those things that could be very gamey as well. But what it actually does is it takes the Lua meta table for the like game version of that object and just iterates over it and exposes UI for all of it. Um, so it's like all of those things were really low level hacking like primitive. So to I mean to put that into sort of layman's terms, it actually takes the variables that dictate the particular things those enemies can do or like the properties of the enemy, like their health number of health points they have how much damage they do whether they have friendly fire and allows the player to actually directly manipulate those variables in the code yeah, in, yeah, and there's, time, there's nothing like, really directly, not fake directly. You know, yeah, it's not like yeah. it's not like designing a, se- a separate UE that exposes this function. It's just like, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. The most bonkers thing about what's happened with the community around your game is that people have now actually started uh, <laughs> decompiling the Lua files and changing your game code to expose other things that yeah. that presumably weren't even yeah. intended originally. And um, someone turned. Someone created a like a decryptor in, as in one of the characters of the games to like decrypt the language that you sort of embedded into the world. Like just all kinds of crazy stuff like that. It's been really awesome. That is easily my favorite uh, thread on the forums. Uh, like the I, I think uh, I was I was kind of there was a like part of my heart that was hoping that there were some people who would hop in there and do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of the spirit of the game. Um, yeah. And I think it helps. There's a secret hidden in the game that I didn't really talk about before the game was released. Uh, there's a, a decrypt, uh, an encrypted book that you can find by doing some tricky stuff, and then it, you have to sort of, like, have some... Uh, you have to make some logical leaps to figure out how to decrypt it, um, and or you have to hack on the game for quite a bit, which is how people broke it originally. Um, I saw a thing where somebody added a, like they have a couple of files you can drop in your folder that adds a command prompt so you can execute Lua commands and runtime for the game. <laughs> like another that's, person, that's another was, tool. Yeah, another person yeah. has been doing like a tile set replacement. Like they're putting oh, wow. uh, original Zelda tiles into uh-huh. the game. So oh, that's Raz crazy. is like, <laughs> fuck <Wow>. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ra- Raz just ended up. Man, he became just Tile Mr. Master. Tiles. Yeah, yeah that yeah. guy. God, he produced a million awesome tiles. Literally.
Um, so let's go around the table and everyone else describe the secret encrypted thing that hides at the heart of their game that they're just waiting. <laughs> I, I know that Lee has one. I don't know if he wants to talk Wait, about really? It. Yeah. You actually have uh, that? There's a couple of secrets in the game. Well, there's one that people haven't found yet. But it doesn't require... Yeah, I'm not a programmer, so you can be as dumb as me and find it. You, just, <laughs> you have to wander a lot. You have to be a lover of life, uh, a lover of code. Bon you know. But it, it's uh, yeah. there is there is a little there is a little something in the game for people to find. But it's a pretty big, um, hard to navigate world. So no one's found it yet that I know. Oh wow! Get on that, listeners. What are you doing? <laughs> Were there any things that occurred in any of your games that were surprising to you in terms of the way the design evolved or kind of just what the, the soul of the game was? There was definitely an interesting uh, development for, for, for Space Base, I felt like. When I was starting off and just pitching it to the team and thinking about the idea, I was like, well, other builder games take place on a plant, you know, on Earth or you're tunneling into the Earth in the case of Dwarf Fortress and Dungeon Keeper and stuff. Um, and that's probably more interesting because you have an existing terrain there. Like, just psychologically, ter- your game taking place in terrain instead of just the empty void of space. Like, you know, you have mountains and trees and rivers and caves and all that kind of stuff. Um, and with space, I was like, yeah, space it's by itself like isn't going to be as interesting. And that's why I was I said very early on, like, yeah, it needs we need to have things like ships coming up and docking. Um, but as it turned out, like as we started talking more about the actual tools by which players would build their bases, um, that stuff ended up becoming more uh, both more uh, important to the design and also just more more interesting to players. I think um, because yeah, like actually building something in space and treating it like you know, thinking through, like, okay, it's it's it, it's in a bubble and it has to be airtight, you know. And then, like, a few more days in, like, towards the middle, we started talking about, like, things that could make that, you know, that could improve that. And what we ended up doing was, um, you know, there were a few changes that we made to the to the building aspect where you have, you have to add on to your existing base. You know, you can't just build out in the middle of nowhere. You have to add on to your existing base. And then the big one uh, was definitely... Um, making making it so that when you would mark out new construction, it wouldn't be built immediately. Your citizens actually had to go out there and build it. Um, and that really tied everything into the game simulation loop, you know? Like, it wasn't just, you know, like, suddenly it was, it, it felt less like Yui and more like you were actually, you know, poking your finger into the simulation and then it would ripple yeah. outward. It, it makes it person-centric instead yeah. of the hand yeah. of God. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And bringing it all back to the character simulation. And, yep. Yeah. I feel like when that, when we figured that out, that started to be the cornerstone of how we answered other questions mm-hmm. about design. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. What is what is the basic model around which this game coalesces? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's it's th- it's this. This is how this is the relationship between the player and the citizens and the base. And like figuring out yep. the way those things interact with each other ended up like the tendrils of that spread into I think the rest of the game. And it took us like a week and a half. I feel like yeah. actually so, yeah. to so what, actually fully yeah, yeah. get to that point. At what but, point for the different projects was it that people really felt like yeah, they started feeling yeah, yeah. the soul of their game? Like what you know, how many days yeah. in did you have an idea that the game was really you know like was it Ten. like every single day it started changing? <laughs> <laughs> it was super late for us for sure. I feel like yeah, we didn't get our first full playthrough until two a.m. of the final day. The what you see on the on the documentary. Of ah, those. I was there when you guys were doing that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they cut wow. it a little bit strange because they you guys leave, and then then they show us doing our playthrough, but we were actually two hours. We were out two hours before you guys, so it's yeah, we were there until four thirty then, <laughs> right? But we had so many 
bugs with the player and the animation system that we didn't get a full playthrough until then. And as soon as we got a full <laughs> playthrough, it was so late, so I, I, we just went home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think actually, really, the moment I felt like we touched on the soul of what we were trying to touch on and succeeded was afterwards when I heard comments in the whole company meeting about the the birds, the raven attack mm. on the girl. And it seemed like that had really resonated with a lot of people. And it, it had not been uh, an afterthought, but it hadn't really been the focus of what we'd been working on for the previous few days because there was so much of the nuts and bolts that didn't yeah. work. Yeah. So that thing kind of came together quite quickly and then I didn't really pay too much attention to it for the last yeah. couple of days because I was just focused on trying to make the whole thing work. Well, that's great because that's the whole point of a prototype, right? It's a hit on those things yeah. that, you know, and the, they're in just as part of process. Yeah. Say, so, oh, I, I see. This is where we have something. And also, just because something isn't the hardest thing to do doesn't mean it's going to have the biggest impact mm -hmm. when you play that's the game. That's true. Yeah, yeah totally. that's true. Yeah. I mean, like ours was like it was. It wasn't even a matter of like it took a lot of days, and then it was definitely the game that it was going to be. It was just so many. It it was so many little pieces of little things that just started adding up, and it yeah. was like a stream of like day one, day two, day three, and it wasn't like a huge thing that all the systems started talking to each other kind of moment for us on Black Lake. It was that it's such a it's not a complicated game. Maybe that's part of it. Like, the systems were like... I mean, really early on, we had, you can walk to this place, pretend that mm -hmm. you find a clue, walk to this place, pretend mm -hmm. you find a clue. So, like, the physical, like, movement through the entire game was there within two days or something. But it was just the the polish of all of those little things. And then, like, on the end day, just like you were saying, the Ravens, like... We had like one day and we were like, well, we can put something else in this. And that was like, there was all this forest with nothing in it. And mm -hmm. we populated it with the Andy Wood tree and things <laughs> like that, you know. What is the, so explain the Andy Wood tree. Well, he doesn't have it's a white birch tree. in his game. Yeah, we just it's have called the white birch. It's yeah. on the front. You don't have a black lake. I don't have a black lake. Well, we kind of do. Yeah, we, we have a dream about it. Time. We have a space base. You have a space. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I put uh, a beard on a tree. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> yeah, I put a beard on a tree. Put a little face on it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like I think that's the experience that people kind of got watching the documentary episodes, or, or just even in the studio, right? Is that like people didn't have a lot of like understanding or visibility into what the game was until the very end, and we didn't have a complete playthrough of it until um, I, I think the first complete playthrough I did was like at three in the morning, like a day before. Yeah, um, sounds maybe. like everyone. Yeah, yeah. So um, like uh, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know you just have to have faith that like the project is scoped well. Um, everyone on the team is very talented, right? And so like um, you know that everybody's going to be doing. And it's like you just hope that in that two-week period you're doing the right work so that it culminates into something meaningful, I think. 
Um, the, yeah, and it's actually really nice because I think that hack and slash, it's like, it, it's, I'm surprised that it got so many votes because it's so hard to explain. Um, and the, that I was concerned that maybe people saw different things in it uh, when they voted for it than what the actual game was meant to be. Um, but it's really nice now to have this, this prototype of a build that actually, I think, communicates like what the intent and spirit of the game is. Um, and so I'm glad we got there. It's like, if it had been a day shorter, we wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I think there's a point when you're developing a prototype. I think with all the prototypes I've developed here, because I developed a few outside of Amnesia Fortnite as well, there's a point where it becomes more than the sum of its parts. And I think... For different games, it's different things. And um, I think for us, I think the game pretty much turned out pretty much what I had in my head. Um, of course it did. No, I don't mean that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean... You're allowed. Uh, no, I just meant like it was the type of experience I wanted. You know, there's plenty of things we had to cut and things that need balancing and all that sort of stuff. But I think um, for me, you know, I know from, from past experience <laughs> that uh, sound and music is a huge thing that almost everyone waits so long to get in the game and I had it in in day one because I know how important it is. It's like yeah. it immediately sets mood in a non-verbal way and if you have the right. Yeah. And so like we had we had music in there day one and then um, you know like it so from a visual and, and just vibe standpoint I would say it was maybe about like day four and I thought okay it's starting to feel like a world. It didn't look very good necessarily but there were just like little peaks of it but I think the big one for me was the first time I was able to actually build an automaton in the game because we had them running around doing funny behaviors beforehand and that was starting to show promise but there was just something missing I think so I think it was a moment that I felt like I picked up pieces hit the button saw it form from individual pieces and become an entity and even though it just did something very basic it felt awesome uh, to me like you know that was like oh that was a missing thing and so um, I don't remember when that happened that probably happened it was in the second week but um, it was you know it was maybe a couple days into the second week and so we had that that moment in there and for me I felt like oh that's cool even if even if it was unbalanced or a lot of the other things were broken or anything else I don't know if the whole thing will be fun but that that particular moment was cool and and it was great watching it and even when they did incredibly dumb things there were a lot of funny stories we were telling around the dev team about them doing wrong things and I you know and I think we wanted to keep some wrong things in there that's the whole point is you're smarter than these things are that's what makes you different than these things and they're they're sort of predictable but they're also sort of unpredictable just based on the the stimuli they're getting like the world the fact that corners aren't all exactly 90 degrees causes them to do some slightly stupid things but that's that's awesome at least it was for me that's kind of you know there's there is some of that in there and i'd like to do a lot more of that but i think there was just enough of that in there that that i was pretty excited same thing with the music you know like i think drew or someone told me like you know it'd be awesome it's a good idea to get the music in first you know and uh not first but like it helps to set the tone of the game you know like uh, seeing the game i didn't give them the final music but i i pointed the team towards the nick cave soundtracks for like the proposition and uh assassination of jesse james and i was like this is the stuff that i like listening to when i'm doing my art you know and it kind of fell in the realm of what I thought I would like for the music and uh, it just helps you imagine the product 
as a final before it's anywhere as close to a final, you know. It was key for us, though, too. And I, it, one of the first things I posted on the internal and external forums was references of inspirational music. Yeah. And it was the same stuff that Brian and I talked through and that he used to compose all his music and sound. Mm -hmm. It was completely fundamental for the whole project. And his music was beautiful for White Birch. It we was. all had such different music, but it was yeah. all... It was all fantastic. All five projects had fantastic music that was perfect for the project. We lucked out this year in the fa in the sense that we had a dedicated audio person for each team. It really showed, I think. It was the first time yeah. we had a dedicated audio and dedicated visual effects. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And those, yeah. those make... It's funny because I think, uh, you know, in art... I spent a lot of my career working at 3D games, and so many people try and set a mood or a world through 3D modeling, and that is the absolute least efficient way to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's still the that's how everyone develops games. If all you do is light, really ugly block mesh, you can set a mood. Mm -hmm. You can spend another number of months modeling that, and it and without that lighting or the music, or the it still won't have any personality. And so it's you know it's it's uh, having visual effects and audio guys. It was a great way to to get to the heart of it because I think the difference for me with Amnesia Fortnite versus say other game gems I've been in. A lot of the game gems are a little more experimental and a little more mechanics focused. And I think the interesting thing with uh, not that there aren't mechanics in the Double Fine games, but I, I think. I sort of think, like, one, when you're doing a traditional game development, it's not to the end that you see all the strings from all these departments pulled together that you then really start to make real interesting creative direction decisions. Mm -hmm. And this sort of shortcuts all that because it forces you to get audio and visuals and mechanics. And none of them maybe are as deep as it would be if you just focus on one of them. But now you've seen all these things that are put together before you've even started the fucking project, which I think lets you understand more about your project in a way that's hard to describe. Um, yeah. More so than any other process I've been involved with. I, th I think that process specifically gives gives you a much clearer idea compared to a game jam or like a more formal design prototyping process. It gives you a much clearer idea er much earlier of what the of what that soul of your game is. You know, because um, it's not really like a bunch of indescribable ineffable things. It's like specific combinations of audio and art and mechanics and you know tech features that are shaping other things. You know. So I and I, I think that's an yeah that's that's one reason it's really good. Well, autonomous was also a really cool direct example of Lee what you're describing because when you saw when you see the the shots of that game as it comes together over the first several days, there is like this moment where even before the before the uh, the geometry is actually textured, but when it starts having lighting and when it starts having those that kind of like edge highlighting shaders, whatever was going on, like that's the point at which suddenly the world looks like a world and it, like it really it just suddenly. Oh man, there's character going on here, uh, and that was a really cool thing to see um, uh, because that was stuff that you guys could get in relatively early, but had just yeah. massively disproportionate impact on the on the just the you know the the effect of the whole thing. You know, I mean, I, basically, when you're thinking about the look of the game, I mean, I don't know, I I think everyone probably does similar things, but I always try and I want mechanics that it's hard to describe it. I wouldn't say mechanics that justify the look and look that justify the mechanics because they're all the same thing. There's no difference between art and mechanics in my mind. They're all the same thing. So, like, I think... Um, but they all should feel like they belong to one another, I guess is another way to describe it. Or saying that, you know, form is content is another way of describing it. Mm -hmm. But I think um, in the case of this game, I wanted a game... You know, I knew... Ultimately, I want to have a ton of shit in there for people to put together and experiment with. So I, want, I knew that in order to do that, we had to have a look that was quick to make from a geometry standpoint. Because really, it's like, like showing edges of the polygons is like inking something. It's like the lines that mm -hmm. define the boundaries and create um, things to hold the world together. And uh, it's, it's, it sounds a little pretentious, but one of the things I was thinking about, it's kind of funny when I was talking to the two-player guys, 
I was like, well, you know, most most games when we're working on 3D mesh, we spend all the time hiding the fact that there's polygons there. And uh, polygons are beautiful by themselves. They're just beautiful and they're unique, uh, largely unique to this art form. So I was like, well, let's let's make the polygons visible. And I think to some extent, um, having the the way that we're work, interacting with the robots and programming is making like state machines, basic behavior systems visible as well. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was thinking about that and like those are. Um, it's a little highbrow way of describing it, but I think that keeping some of those things like um, less disguised as to what they actually are is what Gibbs, for me, gave the game some unity as well. Are there any big features or pieces of content that you guys are particularly upset to have to cut just to hit the yes. two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the biggest one, I'm sorry, the biggest one uh, is the map. So, like, the whole, like, we wanted to create this procedural world that was intentionally somewhat hard to navigate because I don't want to give the player tools like inventory and map. I wanted them to have to use the robots, the automatons, to get those features. So, like, we had this idea that, like, as the automatons move through the world, they would scan the world and build an auto map for you. And that if you program certain heads certain ways, you get even more information. Like it show you energy mm-hmm. sources, pickups, and all that sort of stuff. And it's kind of like one of the biggest non-combat features of exploring this hard to navigate space. But it was just a, yeah, it's just awesome. a really big system. And um, yeah. uh, but but and I knew I knew at end of week when I'm like I'm just cutting it now. I could tell it was gonna you know we had to get rid of it. But like it it's still and I see comments about like what'd well, be good if you did this. I'm like no, I don't want to make it easier to navigate. I want to give you a cool way to to navigate it instead. Yeah. They don't work fine, but you know like so there were a couple of key ones and I was like ah. But yeah, anyways. Sometime, someday, I'll, maybe I'll get those in. Still bothers me. I had a kind of uh, it, it, kind of different uh, missing piece. Uh, there's actually a room in the game that you can get to uh, that is meant to be much cooler than it actually is. There's a world tree <laughs> that sits in the middle of the castle um, that you can only get to um, at the end of the game once you have the connector cable and kind of hack past guards. Um, and uh, the world tree was actually meant to work a lot like the library. Um, so the library in the game, you don't necessarily notice it the first time that you go through it, but it actually maps to the file system. Uh, so every book is an actual file in the directory structure for the data files for the game. Uh, but the world tree was actually supposed to be like another physical programming metaphor uh, where it actually um, uh, controlled the entire object graph for the for the simulation of the game. Uh, so it's like <laughs> there's an actual global variable called g underscore r world uh, that contains the entire simulation state for the game. And this tree that you were supposed to go into is like uh, it would have these like nested roots in the interior, each of which would descend to one of the children that is connected to that root object. Um, and then you would be able to descend all the way down to like an individual integer value um, and... Uh, and, and then, like, you know, look at it or mess with it or that kind of thing. Um, and so... it's <laughs> pretty awesome. That's a whole game right there. Like, I think it really communicated, like, the coolness not just of sort of, like, having these hacking tools, but living in a world that's spoken those metaphors. Um, yeah, in, in, kind of a, in kind of a profound way. Like, the, the, thing, the thing that you described to me was, yeah, you would go down, and if, if you found the root, like, the little, you know, the sub-root that uh, contained... It, your own player character and their position, you would walk in and see that value change, and then if you stood still, it would stop changing. You know, and that's like that's like one of those you know braid mind blown <laughs> yeah. moments. You know, yeah. uh, and I think those, that that game really could deliver those kinds of things in spades because you know it has those kinds of profound you know introspection yeah. moments. And unfortunately, it's just a really bitchin' looking tree that Raz drew, <laughs> which is still awesome. I'm glad it's in the game. It's wicked. Yeah, it's wicked, definitely yeah. wicked. Use the right term. Yeah, yeah it's wicked. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
ideally what I would have liked was that the first time through however you left the two big pieces of puzzle machinery when you came through the next time they would be where you left them mm. so the, the crane that falls would be maybe on the bridge or something and the path would be completely different and there'd be a different way of getting up to the top but yeah two weeks no chance yeah it's a shame I, I think for Black Lake we we put the things in that I think were good to put in I don't think that adding more to it would have really I mean there there are some things that I think we just scratched the surface of and I like would have liked to do more but then I feel like there were so many choices like that 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 would have if I complicated those things it might have not been a good thing for the prototype sure um, like making the senses a little bit more complex. You know, I feel like it was very easy to do the trail. Um, one thing that I felt, which was an early on thing that uh, John Swisshelm and I and uh, Duncan hooked us up with a camera that helped us out with this and might not even be noticeable to a lot of people is that you, in your default state when you move really slowly, have the lamp around you and it doesn't go out into a big V. It's like a... a, like a um, flashlight kind of cone yeah, yeah. Um, and that is particularly supposed to be and didn't really end up being used enough um, a slow moving state where you're looking at and your senses all of them are focused just around you and your immediate area and when you go past that threshold it's you as a player and as the character focusing further ahead of you and occluding everything behind you and it goes into a very like direct blinders kind of view that lets you see further out um, so you sacrifice the things around you and you could potentially not see or smell or hear things in your immediate area so uh, the give and take of that was something that I mean a lot of people like are just used to wow I smell toast right now toast <laughs> that's Andy okay. you're, just, you're, you're having, having a stroke, a stroke yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna do this again next year it sounds like we might <laughs> i'm too old for this shit crazy. <laughs> i'm out <laughs> once a year yeah i just want to say congratulations to you guys these games were all awesome yeah man you too you too man. fine Absolutely. brandon be the better Everybody. man <laughs> <laughs> i know the game you're playing here mister <laughs> probably throughout this episode you've been hearing a bunch of little bits of music those are all from the actual Amnesia Fortnite games. Um, if you bought the bundle, you get that soundtrack as part of it. So, and hope you enjoyed those. I didn't hear any music. Is there something wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> you have break enough. Wait, were you smelling toast So do podcasts only work on iPods? No, there's there's nothing <laughs> special about them. They're just called that because they're not actually on the radio, so they're a different thing. They started on iTunes. Podcasts. It gets in the realm of hamburgers, you know?
Like maybe they were made out of ham at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, pots? In the or? realm of hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be the name of this episode. H.P. Lovecraft yeah. in the realm of hamburgers. <laughs> 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 we're talking, trying to take turns. Not trying to talk now. I totally just stumbled over J.P.'s words. No, but, but, oh, but, but you were going to... No, I'm sorry, don't. No, you, you were going to... Uh, uh, yeah. All right. 